I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Badger fans, and welcome to episode 105 of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here to talk Axe Week. Obviously, it's a big episode uh, for Wisconsin Faithful and the our friends to the north uh, in the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Of course, the big rivalry battle for Paul Bunyan's Axe, the whole nine yards, but also a battle for the division title and a trip to Indianapolis to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. So exciting stuff. I'm super pumped to get into this football game. But first, we're going to do the basketball stuff. I know everyone's excited to listen and talk about football and probably forget about basketball entirely, uh, given the last two days. But we're going to do basketball first, get that out of the way, and then we'll get into Paul Bunyan's acts. And then at the end of the show, Andy York of the Daily Gopher uh, joined us to talk about uh, Minnesota this far, talk about everyone's favorite, P.J. Fleck. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Matt, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, I'm definitely excited to turn the page to football this week and kind of move away from the basketball side of things after a, a pretty putrid showing there uh, in New York. Yeah, it was not uh, not pretty out in New York for the Badgers. Obviously, loss on the opening night to Richmond. And then, of course, it followed that up with uh, kind of probably an even bigger clunker against uh, New Mexico uh, out in Brooklyn. So really not an ideal uh, couple games out in New York for the Badgers. Just a lot of things did not go right for them. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, we'll see if we can take any positives from it. But as we've, we've already kind of mentioned, not great. But what overall, what do you think went wrong for Wisconsin uh, in their trip to New York? I, I think it all starts with the offense. In both games, the Badger defense did plenty enough to give them a chance to win, holding both opponents, you know, 62 points or under. That should win you games if you have any semblance of offense. And the Badgers just weren't able to get anything going. I, it, it felt like they were hesitant in what they were doing, running the swing offense. Guys weren't looking to, to be aggressive with their shot. Sometimes, though, they would get too aggressive and just jack up three-pointers. And, I mean, the three-point shooting was just abominable. They went ahead and they shot the ball uh, 50, 53 times from three, and they made nine of them between the two games. Uh, you know, And you look at the other two teams, the teams that beat them, who came in as underdogs, both Richmond and New Mexico, they shot 33 pointers between the two teams combined, well, compared to Wisconsin 53. And I mean, that's the tale of the game both games really if if you're going to just jack up three pointers and at the end of the shot clock and not take advantage of opportunities you have inside or taking the ball to the rim 
this is what's going to happen, especially with the three-point line being backed up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a few times already this season with this team's tendency to live and die by the three, and it, they certainly died by it uh, in those two games. And, you know, quality of competition, you know, you kind of would expect those you know, type of games from teams that are, you know, equal or, or you know, talented. And, and Richmond, I think, was probably a more talented basketball team. They should probably compete in the Atlantic 10, but New Mexico is a team that you definitely expect to beat. And uh, obviously... Didn't come out on the other side, and it was really, I mean, from from what I'm re- recollecting, it, it, it really seemed like the same basketball game both nights in a row, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it was it was completely just a carryover of the first game, and I talked about that in the recap, that it was kind of like a hangover from the Richmond game. You know, we saw Richmond just go get obliterated by Auburn after they played Wisconsin, which isn't great, but it was it was turnovers, poor shooting, and just hesitation offensively, and, and just complete ineptitude in, in the ability to put the ball in the hoop, and you just can't do that if you're wanting to win, especially on the road, no matter who you're playing. Yeah, and I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with some of the mistakes just, I, you know, what comes to mind is the Tyler Wall layup. You're going up for a layup almost and then passing it back out and turning the ball over where, you know, they touched about it on it a little bit where this Wisconsin team seemed to just be thinking too much too and not playing basketball. And I think that kind of contributed to some of their sloppy play. But overall, you know, usually Wisconsin is so fundamentally sound on both ends of the floor that, it was kind of surprising just to see not only the missed shots and the lackadaisical offense, but also the turnovers. I mean, there was a lot of them in both games. It was sloppy. It was, it was frankly, it was hard to watch. The first half of the New Mexico game was was one of the worst clunkers I've ever seen from Wisconsin basketball. And, you know, they've had a lot of them, especially the last few years, just with offensive struggles. But how does this team just kind of clean up some of those silly and sloppy mistakes that you're not used to seeing from Wisconsin basketball. I think the big thing is, is getting their confidence back because man, oh man, that was so deflating to watch what was going on. They, it didn't seem like anybody really had the stones to go and be like, I'm going to take this, make this play. You know, Nate Reavers at times was, had shown that he was going to do it, but he was also sucking wind. I mean, he played in 36 minutes of the, of the first Mm -hmm. game and then another 30 minutes of the second game. And if it wasn't for foul trouble, he probably would have been playing out playing you know 35 plus minutes uh, against New Mexico as well so it, it, it's just one of those things where they've got to clean some stuff up in in terms of passing and trying to make sure that they're moving the ball well too many times guys were just kind of standing there stagnantly and they weren't swinging the ball I mean the swing offense is predicated on ball movement getting in and out of breaks quick and getting those matchup problems and you know it, we saw Wisconsin too often just holding on to it, you know, afraid to make the pass, afraid to make the shot, and that that's not going to get you anywhere. I was looking yeah. at uh, some of the advanced box scores. They had 29 turnovers compared to in the in the two games, 29 turnovers compared to 35 field goal makes. That's that's uh. just that is gross. <laughs> Yeah, that's not great. I mean, I was I saw some of those stats that they flashed on the TV last night and man, it was it was hard to watch. I mean, I I really I I'm used to watching. Obviously, we both are. We're used to watching Wisconsin style of basketball. And when it's clicking and humming and they're playing solid defense and moving the ball and hitting shots, it's you know, a lot of people knock that style of basketball because it's slow and it's low scoring. But it's still fun to watch when it's moving and clicking well. And 
that's not the definition of, of Wisconsin basketball and really what we've seen the last few years. I mean, I was thinking about it last night. I mean, the Wisconsin basketball, not that long ago, played for a national championship in basketball. And should have won. <laughs> and should have won and went to a Final Four before that, beat one of the best teams in basketball history and, you know, undefeated Kentucky. And now we're here. I mean, it's a drastic comparison and, and drastic difference when you think about it, just where this program was not that long ago, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been a pretty big swing in terms of what the Badgers uh have out there on the floor right now compared to when Frank Kaminsky and you know Sam Decker were out there the Badgers need to get back to being able to shoot the ball they have have some big time talent coming in the pipeline but th- this this tournament was you know pretty deflating like I said for for this team and it's got to be a huge gut punch uh, compared to uh, the big win over Marquette just just a couple weeks ago or I mean a week yeah. ago. Yeah, I mean, definitely a big swing, and obviously it's it's tough uh, for a team like that to swallow, getting a big win against your rival and then going out and being excited to play. And, you know, these holiday tournaments are fun to watch, and they're fun for the fans to travel and see their team play. But, you know, Lord help anyone who traveled out to New York to watch those two basketball games. You, you've got, you've got uh, a lot more patience than I do. But, uh, you yeah, know, overall— I had a- I had a couple of friends who were actually actually there, and and uh, you know, they, they were like, "Oh God, I just want to burn my ticket after this one." <laughs> well, hopefully they saw you know some good games. I don't know if they stayed for the other sessions of that tournament, but hopefully they saw some some good basketball out in the Barclays Center for that. But uh, any sort of positives that this team can take from that? Just, I mean, is there anything that you can try and build off of of these two games, or is it just forget about it and move on? I think really there's no like actual positives to pull from it. Um, I would say that the one thing would be that they are able to now go home with their tail between their legs, look in the mirror and and go ahead and know that they need to be better, you know, and that might be just enough to push them to, to improve, you know, cause they've got, they got a tough slate coming up here with, with, uh, NC State, and then you got then you get back into conference play with Indiana and Rutgers, and, and then you're back on against Milwaukee and Tennessee. So it's 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 definitely not uh, letting up here after that tournament. And those were supposed to be, you know, split one of those or win both of them, and that that uh that was a nightmare road trip for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like you said, I was going to touch on the schedule, you know, a little bit too with with given NC state, who's a tough place to play in a, a quality basketball program. And then you've got the, the early season, big 10 games with, with Indiana Rutgers. And then, yeah, it, a trip to Tennessee, uh, which is now a ranked team in, in college basketball. So they're going to have to wake up and, and start to hit some shots and, and find some offense. I know, I know there were some guys that were trying, obviously Brad Davison was, was trying and, and shooting the ball. Literally nothing was falling. I don't, I don't know if he finished with the made field goal yesterday. Yeah, and he, yeah, did. Did he? he uh he was 0 for nine. So yeah. and then yeah. and I mean you you go to the game before that he was two of six. So it's it's like they were they were it was a struggle bus across the board and it just it wasn't pretty for for the Badgers. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a disaster in all any way you define it out in uh, in Brooklyn for this team and hopefully they can obviously it's still early uh, and hopefully they can change some stuff around but we'll have to wait and see as they get into some tougher games down the stretch. I guess now that, you know, this team is a quarter, basically a quarter of the way through the season, 
what uh, has your outlook for the team changed at all, or, or is it just more of a wait and see what uh, this Badger team can do, maybe into conference play and things like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely hampers the mood around the program uh, for this year. I, I definitely was among the people who thought that the Badgers had a chance to make the NCAA tournament, um, you know, make make a or have a chance to get in the top five of the conference. I, I if they can continue to shoot the way they have been these past two games, I, I don't see it. Um, they shot really well against UW Green Bay. They shot well against Marquette. So those games at home, they did well. So it's, it's so far, the trend has been shoot well at home, miss when you're on the road. They got to fix that if they want to have any shot yeah. in, in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. And I know I know a lot of these holiday tournaments are are hard to shoot at. They're used to playing in college arenas. Then you go play in either like a ballroom or, uh, you know, a huge NBA stadium. So that maybe challenges it where maybe it was just – a couple of days and, you know, sight lines were just not what they were, but really overall the, the shot selection wasn't that great either. I mean, there was a lot of four shots, a lot of standing around and shooting at the end of the shot clock where it's, it wasn't just like the rims were, were taking things away from them. Yeah, no, they, it was, it was completely uh, a terrible offensive effort and they've got a lot to clean up uh, if they want to, if they want to turn their season around because, you know, four and three, everything's still ahead of you held Duke lost last night to Stephen F. Austin. So it, it happens, but you know, the Badgers are going to have to rally around that and, and kind of change what they're doing offensively if they want to have a chance here. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, that's all I really want to talk about with college yeah, basketball. Please. <laughs> I think we're we're both more excited. I think when we were planning our schedule for the for the podcast, I think Matt and I were both kind of hoping that we were talking about a victory or you know maybe a, a victory in a tight contest with Auburn in the championship game, and it wasn't that. So the episode will be a little bit shorter and more brief than uh, we expected because we we simply don't want to talk about uh, those two days, and we'll we'll try and put them behind us and uh, move on to, obviously, a huge football game. Uh, so we're going to dive into that, but first we're going to kick it over to a couple ad reads, and then we'll get into the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, Badger fans, it's time to talk battle for the Big Ten West, battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. I'm super excited. I, I cannot wait for this game. It's probably the most excited I've been for any team and, and really any college football slate for a weekend. This weekend for Friday and Saturday is awesome. There are rivalry games all over, games that mean a ton for divisions. Of course, Wisconsin's probably the headline, uh, just given what they're playing for in the Big Ten West. But overall, a huge weekend of college football. So, Matt, how you doing? How you feeling about just the battle for the West? I... I'm just pumped for this game. It's exciting to kind of have some, you know, some extra juice in this one or, you know, an extra flair just with both teams being ranked. They haven't both been ranked since 2014. And the time before that was 2005, which was 
was an which is was an absolute awesome game. So I'm I'm excited to see this one. I, I know Wisconsin is uh, opened up as a three point favorite, and you know with, uh, across all metrics right now is kind of showing Wisconsin should wins, which is odd given the you know the phenomenal success that Minnesota has had this year. But I'm excited to see what the Badgers can do, hungry to get a win. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a, a huge game, obviously tremendously important and tremendously fun to watch. But uh, before we dive into the actual X's and O's of this year's iteration of the rivalry, you know, is there any certain favorite memory of yours uh, from this longstanding series between Wisconsin and Minnesota and, and, and battles for the X? I would have to say that 2005 matchup with the, the blocked punt by Jonathan Casillas and blocked punt touchdown. Um my, I actually have relatives uh, in Minnesota. My, my uncle is a season ticket holder and is a professor at Minnesota. So uh, he's a big Gopher fan, and we went with him for that that game um, when it was still the Metrodome, and uh, you'd get sucked out of the stadium. But that that was uh, so awesome to see and see them, you know, just just going nuts. Or another one was uh, in 2014 or 2004 when they just absolutely ran across to get the to get the axe when it was mm-hmm. in Madison. You know, it's 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 something that the players really want. And but that 2005 game was so cool because they were both ranked and it was such a close contest up in the Metrodome. Yeah, 2005 was the one I had written down too. I mean, just the. I mean that that play and that block punt. Obviously, you see it every week and at, at Badger home games and the you know pregame montage of of clips and highlights that lives forever in Wisconsin football folklore. But really, just how that it really kind of changed the whole dynamic of that rivalry because you think about uh, you know before that Minnesota had it in uh, 2002 or I want to say Wisconsin had it in 2002 and then they the Badgers lost it in 2003 on that made field goal as time expired. And you know, I remember watching that one kind of, you know, as the first real iteration where I remembered it and felt it. Cause really in, in our lifetimes, we're around the same age. I don't know what year you were born, but they, they haven't lost the ax that many times. So the ones that kind of stick out are of course the, the few that, that happened. And then just to win that back in 2004 and then to win it in that fashion in 2005, I remember right before that play, I was walking over to our fridge because we had the schedule on, you know, a magnet where you could write on win or loss and the score. And I would, you know, went up and was writing down loss and about to write down the score. And then, and then uh, a couple plays later, the block punt, and and I was just so excited. And that's just that's what you love about growing up as a fan of of a game and in this region, how you know how impactful this rivalry game really is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's been so cool to to kind of see, and you know, it's there's been huge moments like in in '99 too, where you know the Badgers won on their way to going to the Rose Bowl and in overtime on that on that field goal. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 so cool to see kind of how, this game back in the limelight as a as a major college football game. You know, it's oldest standing rivalry and everything. So it's it's definitely cool that a lot is uh, hanging in the balance on this game. Yeah, and one thing I found fascinating, you talked about the longest-standing rivalry. I did not realize how dead even this rivalry was. They played 128 times. Wisconsin's won 60, Minnesota has won 60, and they've had eight ties way back in the day. So really, this one kind of decides it all and gives you bragging rights for the entire history. I know it's silly to think about games from the 1900s, but (laughs) it's true how... I know we're not recently, it, it hasn't been 
that balanced, but uh, overall in the longstanding rivalry, it, it's been pretty balanced. So it's fun to watch. So how just how cool is it that this rivalry not only plays for I think the coolest trophy in sports, but it divide you know decides a division title and and just how cool is it to have that dynamic added to this game? I think it's huge. Um, you know, I think I think Wisconsin has has uh, a lot to play for, obviously, in this one, simply because of that added uh, layer on the top of the axe, on top of the, um, you know, the conference championship representation on the line. It's it's going ahead, and you lost last year, and not only lost, but you got your butts kicked, you know, 31 to nothing, in maybe one of the worst showings I've seen out of a Wisconsin team, you know, that basketball thing these past couple days notwithstanding um but it was i mean that was just you know absolutely terrible they laid an egg and it'll be it'll be there'll be a lot for the badgers to kind of get up for this game and uh, i'm i'm excited to see just how pissed off the the badgers are and wanting to go get that axe because as of right now they're talking like they need it in in all fall camp. They were talking like it was a big deal. So let's, let's see if they actually are going to go out there and, you know, put it all on the line because that's what they're going to need to do against a talented Minnesota team. Yep. Got to put your money where your mouth is and obviously go out and, you know, beat your rival, not only beat your rival, but win that trophy back. That means so much to people in both sides of the you know States and, um, obviously in Minnesota, they, they're thrilled to have it. They obviously gave it a, a Minnesota, you know, state tour this past year. So it's nice to, uh, see the guys fired up and ready to go. And I know really Wisconsin fans in general, maybe we've, we've, we've been pretty blessed to have it for so long that, uh, I know a lot of Wisconsin fans were, you know, we'd rather make a rivalry with Iowa. We'd rather make a, you know, make it a rivalry with Nebraska and those trophies are significant, but this one, now that it's been taken from us, it, it's something that you certainly want back. And I'm excited to see how these guys respond. And I, college game day there in their stadium to, to get that axe back and, and clinch your trip to the Big Ten you know, title game would just be just be an unbelievable story. And I'm I just can't wait. But let's get into some X's and O's of it. Obviously, there's a ton to talk about in terms of storylines. All the eyes uh, of the college football world will be on Minneapolis. I know there's some other rivalry games, but one kind of has the most significance and of course is playing host to game day. Um, but X's and O's wise, there's a lot to look at in this matchup too. I mean, Minnesota, tremendously talented on the offensive side of the football, got a lot of guys, a couple of good receivers, a couple of good running backs and, and Tanner Morgan, a quarterback who can get them the football. So before we talk about that, we're going to talk a little of Wisconsin offense. What do you kind of expect the Badgers to do to attack the Minnesota defense, which hasn't gotten nearly as much attention as the Minnesota offense has? Uh, first, quick correction, Badgers lost 37-15 last year, not 31 nothing. My reading <laughs> It felt like 31 nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, in terms of this year's team and kind of how they can go on the offense, I think they need to run the ball. You know, we've seen Wisconsin make a concerted effort to really run the ball these past few weeks, you know, and really have, have gone for huge chunk yardage against, you know, Purdue, against Iowa, and against Nebraska. So I think – Minnesota has a very senior-laden defense with some nice playmakers, especially um, in the secondary. 
but Wisconsin still has the advantage along the along the trenches in my eyes, and they need to let that play out. They need to lean on Minnesota, get that running game going, and I think need to be creative in terms of how they get the ball in their playmakers' hands, both on the ground and through the air. The, the weather conditions don't look uh, great in terms of passing, which is probably to Wisconsin's advantage, given the fact that Minnesota passes it so much more, as well as Minnesota has such a talented secondary. Their, their pass defense is ninth in the nation, uh, which, is, which is saying something. And Antoine Winfield Jr. is, is a real stud um, for them, kind of in that rover safety cornerback role. Um, so I think the Badgers need to run the ball and, and take advantage of using Quintez Cephas, using guys like um, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor in, in the running game as well so that they can they can keep Minnesota um, unbalanced and try to take advantage of their 4-2-5 defense. Yeah, I think, you know, it's no secret what the Badgers are going to want to do. Obviously, they're going to run the ball uh, with Jonathan Taylor as much as they can, but at the same time, they're going to have to mix it up. And like we've talked about a little bit in our first show of the week, that they're going to have to run the ball, but they're going to have to get creative in the ways they do it. Because last year, Jonathan Taylor had a a decent game stats-wise, but Minnesota keyed so heavily in on him that they didn't allow him to break loose and, and have those big chunk runs that really can put a hamper on a defensive effort. I mean, Minnesota ranks you know, 27th in rushing defense, but I, I really don't see, just looking at their schedule, they, they haven't faced a rushing attack like Wisconsin's. Obviously, Penn State and Journey Brown uh, ran the ball okay against them and busted some big runs, so that maybe gives you hope as a Badger fan that an even better rushing attack and better running back and Jonathan Taylor should be able to do more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how just how dominating this Badgers line can be, and of course Jonathan Taylor running behind it because I, I think that's what it's really going to come down to offensively. I mean, you've got an opportunity to get some other guys the ball, and I think they're going to have to do that. But overall, I, I think they're going to do what's got them to this point, and that's running with Jonathan Taylor and and running downhill behind that offensive line, and it's worked. It's worked a lot lately, so you got to feel good about. Wisconsin on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think Minnesota has the defense that Iowa does. You know, case right. in point, when they actually played, Iowa's defense was able to hold them fa- fairly well um, compared to Minnesota letting letting Iowa, you know, get some chunk plays on them early. So I think the Badgers can really run the ball, but I think, like you said, the creativity that they're going to have to deploy to make sure that they're taking advantage of all their weapons and and keeping uh, Minnesota off balance is going to be important. Would you say that Wisconsin's biggest advantage would kind of be the running game, or is there any other area that you see that the Badgers have an advantage in this football game? I would say that that's probably what it is, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, the Wisconsin offensive line is humming lately. You know, since they've slid David Mormon in there, we'll see if Cole Van Lannan can play with that mm-hmm. uh, with that head injury that he's questionable for. But I thought Tyler Beach did well last week as well. Um, so I think that's a place where they definitely have some advantages. Um, I also like the matchup with Jake Ferguson uh, in this week's matchup. You know, I don't think, um, you know, Fryermuth had a good game for Penn State against them. I, I think Jake Ferguson can as well. He's been kind of held silent these last few weeks um, since the Badgers were able to run the ball so well. But he, he's a guy who could have a, a, a big hand in this game in my eyes. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, you know thing to note because obviously given the weather that we might have, I think it's going to – 
hamper both passing offenses, at least in the deep ball, which Minnesota relies on so heavily. Uh, but for Wisconsin, if you're throwing underneath stuff to your big target like Jake Ferguson, I think that could play a role. So that's a, a good good thing to note that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is the tight end position because uh, simply not a lot of college football uses tight ends and that many sets like that outside of the Big Ten. So that'll be important uh, matchup to look for. As terms of uh, other advantages, I know we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball a little bit, but I really do kind of like uh, Wisconsin's front seven against their offensive line. You know, with Minnesota's offensive line has struggled. I, I think back to the Iowa game uh, where Tanner Morgan, when he has time to throw and set and, and hit those receivers, obviously he can distribute the football and do pretty well. But uh, when he's when he's had pressure in his face, and I remember Iowa getting a couple sacks in a row down the stretch, uh, that's when this this go for defense can or go for offense I should say can look a little susceptible. So I think there's there's a lot of matchups in this game to watch for. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think the biggest matchup, and I don't really think it's any secret, is Minnesota's talent at the receiver position. Um, you know, just how do you go about slowing down a duo like Tyler Johnson and and Rash- Rashad Bateman? It's gonna be tough you know I don't I don't think you can completely hold them down I think the weather is definitely at Wisconsin's vantage like we said but I mean t- they both have over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns so they're absolute dudes um, you know Tyler Johnson the senior Rashad Bateman sophomore both can kind of light it up but the nice part is behind them there's not much else like it's not like there's a lot of other guys who are getting a lot of catches you know Chris Ottman Bell is is pretty solid but I mean he's over the only averaging 30 yards a game so it's not like uh, he's the guy that you really need to key in on so I think the big thing is is going to be making sure that you're staying over the top with them I could totally see Wisconsin going uh, two single two safety high and 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 making Minnesota beat them underneath and trying to keep everything in front of them and and hope that your your defensive line and linebackers can hold up against the run because Minnesota does have a good running attack with the three-headed monster of uh, Rodney Smith, Shannon Brooks, and um, Muhammad Ibrahim. So, but I think the Badgers, if they go two safety over the top with the cover two man underneath, I think that'll go a long way in trying to shrink those windows down on on Johnson and Bateman and not letting them get over the top where they are so dangerous, especially Bateman, who's averaging only over 20 yards a catch. Yeah, and, you know, Tanner Morgan's averaging, he's in the top five for yards per completion. So chunk plays is their M.O. with with just their offense on on hitting underneath stuff and then busting the top off and and hitting you for deep plays with those two guys. So I think that matchup is going to be fascinating to watch just given uh, what Wisconsin's kind of had these last few weeks in terms of defensive production. You know, I don't think that's all the secondary, but this is definitely the biggest test uh, for the Badgers secondary because they, they faced some good receivers, but I don't really think they've faced a duo like this uh, yet this season. I mean, nobody really has, unless you've played Minnesota or LSU is the only other team to have uh, 2000 yard receivers. So it, it's going to be a big test and a big challenge, but I certainly think the weather might help them in terms of the deep ball simply because it's looking like 18 to 20 mile an hour winds that plays a big, big role uh, in hurting a passing game. But is there any certain guy that you see for the Wisconsin defense that's going to probably have to have a big game uh, in order to come out on top? I think it's got to be Zach Bond. Um, you know, Wisconsin, had, you know, if, if they go with that, 
that uh, try to make, t make everything stay in front of you, shrink down those windows, which I think is what they're going to do. I don't see any other way that you're going to try to stop Minnesota. I don't, I don't think it's by just sitting st straight man-to-man -man with Rashad Wild Goose on Rashad Bateman. I just don't see that winning for you. Um, so I think they're going to go with the two, two high safeties trying to – trying to funnel everything it, that'll lead it so that they're not able to blitz nearly as much because you're, you're taking two guys who would normally possibly be blitzing and, and making, making them in zone coverage there um, over the top. So that leaves four guys blitzing at a time. And that means Zach Bond has got to get to the quarterback. He, he hasn't, uh, produced these last two weeks nearly as much as he had been you know I know Chris Orr had kind of you know carried the torch these past few games in terms of the pass rush so I think he's going to have to to take advantage of Folele's size you know I mean he's 6'9 400 pounds so it, it's it's he's no joke in terms of a physical specimen but he's still young he still isn't super quick with his feet so you can get around him with with a guy like Zach Braun who's incredibly quick and is able to get around the edge. So I think Zach Bond for that is, is my guy. Who do, who do you think? Yeah, I think it's going to have to be Bond and or, and, and really the front seven in general. I mean, you look at this defensive unit, Jim Leonard obviously loves to bring the blitz and he loves to bring extra guys when he can. Uh, but the production these last few weeks in terms of both Bond and, and the rest of the front seven has kind of fallen off with, you know, the Badgers are, are towards the top in sacks on the season. Uh, they're averaging, I think, three and a half sacks a game uh, coming into that Nebraska game. And things have certainly kind of fallen off these last three weeks because uh, it's down to an average of 2.3 in their last three games. So you can see when there's a significant drop off in the, your your front seven and, and what you're going after that that makes a big difference. And I think we've seen the secondary kind of being hurt by that as well, because when quarterbacks have time to throw, when they have time to sit in the pocket and make their reads and you, your corners are left on an Island, they're going to hit some of these big plays. Uh, now, of course, the, the counter argument to that would be, well, okay, that's fine. I mean, they can hit some big plays, but the tackling certainly has to be better because that hasn't been great. And that's certainly contributed to some chunk plays that got even bigger. Uh, but overall, I, I'm really going to be interested to see how Bond and Orr respond, just given, you know, this is their their final game in this rivalry. They're, they they wanted it back. Chris Orr, he's never shied away from from making a comment about the other team, and he's been talking this week, which is fun and, and you know awesome to see. Uh, but now it's time to, uh, to put up and, and get and make these plays to, to bring that ax home, and I think those guys are both going to be ready for that moment. So I'm really excited to see, you know, just how this defense attacks. Yeah, you you brought up just how uh, how Minnesota has at times struggled with uh, protecting the quarterback. They've given up 25 sacks. I, I just quick looked that up, and 25 sacks is a lot. You know, two mm -hmm. and a half a game. Um, that's above what Minnesota gets in a game traditionally. So, uh, if Wisconsin is able to kind of get to to Tanner Morgan, you know, maybe get a turnover that that that's that's the momentum that you need when you're on the road against a uh, a team in a hostile environment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, was the Badgers are top five in team sacks, so it, that, I think that is a mismatch uh, for Wisconsin that they should exploit if they're able to, a you know get that pressure with with the guys that they're they're bringing, but also uh, get to the quarterback and finish those plays because you can bring pressure, but as long as if he if he gets that ball off, it, it makes a big difference in terms of a football game. So I think the matchup between Jim Leonard and PJ Fleck going back and forth and tinkering things is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, we've, we've talked about the weather a little bit. Forecast doesn't look great. So what does that 
how big of a role does that play? Does that, I think, probably gives Wisconsin an advantage, but what are your opinions uh, on that side of the game? Yeah, I think it, it gives Wisconsin an advantage uh, in, in many ways, just simply because Minnesota wanting to throw the ball a lot more. You know, they're 53rd in pass offense, 42nd rush offense, so they have a really balanced attack. They're not trying to tilt it one way or the other. Wisconsin's the polar opposite, 14th rushing, 101st in passing. So they're the Wisconsin's definitely predicated on running the ball, and and it helps when you're in in you know crummy weather. I, on, on the other hand, though, I, I am a little worried about Jack Cohn in terms of holding onto the ball. I think I saw a stat that he's lost like or had, has fumbled the ball like 10 times this year. He obviously hasn't lost all of those, but it, that's something to be worrisome when the ball is cold wet you know it's it's not easy to kind of grip it as easily and uh, I, I just hope Wisconsin can win the turnover battle because I think that's going to be a big difference in this game especially given Wisconsin's struggles um, kind of like we talked last last week uh, or I mean earlier this week with you know coming out so well in the turnover margin and then kind of falling apart here lately um, especially last week losing four turnovers. Yeah, that was obviously glaring, and you can, like we talked about a little bit earlier in the week, you can make those mistakes and get away with it against Purdue, but against a high-quality opponent like Minnesota, you can't make those mistakes, and same goes for them. You know, they've, I haven't looked at their turnover stats, but anytime you're playing in a game like this that comes down to probably a few possessions and a few plays here and there, you don't want to give your opponent any extra, you know, opportunities. So overall, turnover battle would be something I think the Badgers need to win after, after losing it I mean, these past five weeks. It's been really a struggle for for the Badgers hanging on to the football and and taking advantage of possessions that, you know, when you run an offense that is so heavy run predicated, you can't give away those opportunities because you're only going to get so many. But overall, let's let's get to our score prediction for this one. Obviously. Huge game, battle, you know, for the West, trip to Indianapolis to take on everyone's favorite, Ohio State. Uh, so, Matt, what are you thinking in terms of a score and your prediction for this Big Ten West, Paul Bunyan's axe battle? So, I, I all week I haven't really felt great about this game simply because of what Minnesota has. The weather paired with, you know, the Vegas line and, and really you throw in, um, you know, ESPN football uh, index or power index and everything. It is saying Wisconsin. It's saying Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. It's saying Wisconsin. And anytime I see a, a weird line like that, I'll just kind of go with it. I, so I'm going to go with the Badgers to win here. Um, I think it'll be close. I, I'm thinking like 31-30. Yeah, I, I like. I I would take that. I know a lot of people. The the line uh, it surprised a lot of people. It surprised me a little bit. I thought it'd be closer to one or. or two or maybe even a pick, but uh, I certainly didn't expect the Badgers to be getting three or even I've seen three and a half in places. And that obviously shows what numbers and and insiders are thinking, but it's a different factor once you get onto the field. Uh, So I like that 31-30. I could definitely see that uh, being a possibility depending on how the weather affects both both offenses. Um, I had a little bit lower scoring, but I do have the Badgers winning. I've got it uh, 27-24. So I think we're both expecting it to be be pretty tight and and come down to just a few plays and and few possessions, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and, and like I said, I could see this going either way. I just because of that line that it just it was it felt so weird that you know anytime I, that happens, I just kind of lean with it and and go with it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. <laughs> 
I'm going to run with the Badgers. I think they have more to play for. And I think Minnesota could have, uh, you know, a sleepwalk effect in that first, you know, couple minutes where the Badgers can jump on them early because it's their senior day. There's a lot of emotion coming, coming in. And, you know, if the Badgers can get up early, like they have this year, usually on their first drives being so well, you know, they can punch them in the mouth and, you know, get, get Minnesota stunned for a quick minute and, and then kind of just never look back or, you know, continue to exchange blows. The Badgers can, can run out of there with a win and get back the ax. Obviously, either way, you know, however it plays out, it'll be fascinating to watch. And whoever comes out on top, of course, will have earned that right to to go to Indianapolis and represent the West. I mean, you can't ask for much more than having a chance uh, to prove yourself and control your own destiny. So uh, it it should be a fascinating game. I hope the Badgers are able to bring home the axe and make that trip to Indy. Uh, But if not, the the better team won, and, and hopefully they uh, don't make mistakes in this game to, to give it away. But at the end of the day, it comes down to one football game, which is, is better than being sitting at home and playing this game with Minnesota already having to clinch. If, if the, something would have happened last week or, or Iowa didn't pull off Minnesota, this one would have really felt uh, a little less positive than, than what it feels right now and a little less exciting. Oh, no doubt. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our Axe Week discussion. Obviously, we will be back next week, hopefully to recap a Badgers win. But if not, either way, we'll be back to talk about the Badgers football, You know, both the recap on Tuesday, which is what we will normally do. And then if they were to win, obviously, we would preview the Big Ten Championship later in the week. But let's go ahead and uh, get that Axe back first before we worry about that. Um, So now we're going to go ahead and kick it over to our interview with the Daily Gopher. Uh, Andy York from their site was gracious enough to join us and and talk uh, Minnesota. It was a lot of fun conversation to get uh, a Gopher fan perspective on this rivalry because we all hear it from from our sides and our favorite memories. But there's a lot of things uh, that Andy touched on that I found really interesting. So go ahead and listen to a couple quick ad reads. We'll knock those out and then we'll get you over to our interview with Andy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome Andy York onto the show, who's a, a staff member and writer over at the Daily Gopher, which is Minnesota's SB Nation site. Uh, our interview portion that we do every week, obviously a huge uh, Big Ten West battle, a huge rivalry game, and a, a longstanding rival uh, between Wisconsin and Minnesota. So we're excited to have Andy on to give us a little bit of an insider perspective on the Golden Gophers and the season they've had so far. Andy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So I guess my first question is just simply really over this last 600 or 600, 365 days and maybe plus a little time because I know it was around this time last year that the Minnesota knocked off Wisconsin and got the axe back. Since then, it's it's really been a a pretty good roller coaster upwards uh, for the Golden Gopher fans. So just just how fun has it been and, and how exciting has it been for a Minnesota fan, given the tough years that you guys have have had in the past to finally be, you know, in this conversation, you know, in this rivalry game and 
and, and just how big of a whirlwind and fun season has it been for the Gophers this year? Yeah, you know, it's it's been amazing. I mean, I think, you know, we all knew things were on an upward trajectory after after winning the Axe last year for the first time in, in 14 years, you know, and, and, and really seemed like P.J. Fleck had, had finally gotten everybody to buy in and things turning around. But I don't think any any logical Gopher fan saw this extreme coming. Um, you know, I, we knew we had a good returning core, but we still had some questions at the quarterback position that uh, definitely have been answered in the last 12 games. Um you know, and, and everything's gone right, except for two weeks ago in Iowa City, which, you know, we'll, we'll just ignore that one for now. But <laughs> um, it, it, it's been it's been a great, you know, I think I think every Gopher fan feels like we're we're pretty much playing with house money at this point. But we're also looking forward to Saturday and realizing it's the difference between a legendary season and just another great season where we get to go probably to the, you know, Outback Bowl or something like that, which granted, you know, those games don't come around here often for Minnesota either, considering, you know, we went to the Citrus Bowl in, in 2014. Um, but otherwise, it's been a long time since we played on, on New Year's Day. So uh, I think, you know, every Minnesota fan is really happy with the way it goes. But I think this Saturday's game will really, you know, determine whether this is a season that goes down and, and go for history lore forever or whether it's just, you know, one next stepping stone on hopefully bigger and better things in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I, like you said it, you said it perfectly with playing with house money where, uh, you know, if you guys win this, obviously it's a, a, a tremendous accomplishment and, and a, a great season for Minnesota. And if you lose it, you're still have a pretty good season overall. And I think most teams coming into the season w- would take to be in this spot and have that opportunity. So um, I know it's, it's hard for Wisconsin fans to maybe see it, but at the same time, I think it's, I, I think it's good for, for the big 10 uh, and of course the West division to have a game like this and obviously a, a division battle like that. As for coach Fleck, you've touched on a little bit already, but you know, it seems like since he's came in the door, culture change ha- has really been a big thing. And obviously he's implemented his, his slogans and his sayings, row the boat and everything like that. And in his charismatic, charismatic nature, as a head coach, just how, how much has the culture changed under PJ Fleck over these last couple seasons? Yeah. You know, I think there's been a, a fairly significant change. I mean, things were on the upswing. Uh, Jerry kill did a lot of good things for this program. Um, and then in, after Jerry kill had to medically retired, you know, things may have stepped, taken a step back under Tracy clays on the, on the field was good, but a lot of off the field issues were, were going to go back down. So I think PJ Fleck came in and basically said, all right, this is the way we're going to run our program. And I mean, both on and off the field, things have been, been going amazing. Um, the Gophers had their highest GPA two semesters in a row ever in the history of the program. Um, you know, he, he really implemented the serving and giving culture where you see the, the Gophers out in the community at the, at the U of M children's hospital. Uh, the Gophers just had their third or fourth annual Turkey drive tonight where they were handing out over 200 turkeys to, to low income families in the community. Um, that was something the players started on their own and they were inspired by this serving and giving culture that, uh, that PJ Fleck brought in. Um, so yeah, I really do think things have made a change and things are are trending upward and looking and great under uh, under the system that that Fleck has introduced and you know uh, the hope is is he he did the same thing to Western Michigan and obviously uh, Minnesota pulled him away. Um, luckily, it sounds like we'll have PJ probably at least for another season after he signed his new contract here uh, a couple weeks ago and and the buyout is is pretty astronomically high at least through the end of. Uh, 2020 
So one would assume that, you know, even worst case scenario, you're looking at Fleck for another season uh, with the Gophers. Um, you know, one would hope that Minnesota would continue to open the bank if he comes back and, and post another season in 2020 like we had this year. But um, I, I do believe he's really changed this program going forward and, and really has put them in a place um, where hopefully they can try and emulate. You know, PJ says in his, his press conferences all the time, he wants to turn Minnesota into what Wisconsin was after Barry Alvarez showed up or what Iowa was after Kirk Ferentz shows up. Um, you know, and, and for Wisconsin fans who are old enough to remember, Wisconsin football prior to Barry Alvarez was pretty bad. Uh, Minnesota football prior to, you know, a couple of years of Jerry Kill, but but mostly prior to PJ Fleck was pretty bad. So the hope is that he can sort of emulate what uh, Barry Alvarez did Wisconsin, what Kirk Ferentz did Iowa, and turn this program into a relatively competitive team at the top of the Big Ten West year in, year out going forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know Wisconsin fans won't like to hear this uh, from myself about the podcast, but I've I've been a big fan of P.J. Fleck from his Western Michigan days, and um, I, I think he's a, trem- a tremendous head coach. I know people may get <laughs> – the, the the personality might rub some people the wrong way, but overall, I've always thought he was, you know, tremendously talented and, and smart and knows how to run a program. I had a chance actually to talk to him at Big Ten Media Days for a little bit and very down-to-earth guy, very nice, and, and it was just like having a regular conversation. And as from what I've heard from, you know, Minnesota people and, and people around the program, that that's how he is to everyone. Is, is that kind of how you feel, you know, given maybe your conversations with him? Oh, definitely. He, he is that way. He is what you see is what you get. You know, that's, I think, you know, it's taken a few years for Minnesota fans to fully buy in because they saw him coming in and spouting all his slogans and going, okay, okay. We had this with Tim Brewster. There is absolutely no comparison between PJ Fleck and Tim Brewster. Tim Brewster was a phony. PJ Fleck is 100% what you see, what you get. He's honest. He's full of character. He means what he says. And yeah, if you have a conversation with him, he's he's down to earth and he'll he'll look right into your eyes. I mean, the the, the biggest thing that I think anybody on our staff who is has related with PJ Fleck will tell you is, you know, you'd wonder how he can how he can get all these kids to recruit and commit. If you get him one-on-one and he gives you that look, if he stares at you into your eyes, you're ready to run through a brick wall. I mean, he is the ultimate motivator, whether it's just answering a simple question at a press conference or whether it's trying to convince a kid to come to the University of Minnesota. So, um, you know, P- PJ is what it is, and, and you know, everybody will continue to sort of mock row the boat for what it is, and we fully get that. I mean, it, it from afar, it, it's kind of hokey and whatever. But when you finally can, you know, immerse yourself in the understanding on everything and see what it goes, uh, you know, it, it really is starting to hit the Minnesota fan base and everybody's really starting to buy in. And um, hopefully, it'll, like I said, continue to only get better and better as we go forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you got to like you got to like head coaches that, that have some personality and some and some flair. I mean, you look at so many coaches around the country, especially, you know, guys in the Big Ten. James Franklin comes to mind where it's just like, you know, robots and robot answers and you can't you can't see yourself on the same level. So it's, it's nice to see you know, a coach with some personality that way. So I'm, I'm one Wisconsin fan who, who won't not coach Fleck. And I, I know our listeners are probably boiling hearing me say that, <laughs> but uh, I've been on that train for a while and I, and I'm sticking to it, but you know, getting kind of back to this rivalry game, you know, this last year, Minnesota won it for the first time in, you know, over a decade. And now this year, it decides the West. And I think overall for both sides, it seems to be something that 
breathed some new fresh life into this rivalry and and is really good you know good for the game and and good for this matchup so how important is is that having an impact you know on this rivalry for both teams and for the series oh it's huge it's huge i mean i'm i'm a diehard gopher fan and and you know it gets old when you go into it you know after Wisconsin had won 10, 11, 12 years in a row, and you're looking at it going, okay, well, maybe this is the year. Yeah, probably not. Here we go again. You know, the fact that, you know, we can go into Saturday and say, you know what, honestly, it's a toss-up. Either I could see either team winning depending upon how how they execute and how they play. Um, you know, last year, Minnesota uh, taking it to Wisconsin and Madison, I think was, well, obviously it was huge for the Gopher program, as it really was the, the first key step in, in what turned into this season. Um but yeah, breathing life into the rivalry. I mean, I, I have several friends who were Wisconsin fans who were sort of, you know, after the 12th or 13th win in a row, were sort of like, eh, whatever, who cares? You know, it's not, it's not, you know, some of them were even pulling out though. Well, we'd rather play, we'd rather play Iowa or we'd rather play Nebraska than Minnesota card, which I mean, I understand to a certain point, but Minnesota, Wisconsin is always going to be that game. You know, at least for a gopher fan, when you look and you circle it immediately when the, when the schedule is released, you go, all right, this is, this is for the ax. This is going to be, you know, the Epic game. And, and yeah, Minnesota finally getting back to a position where they can honestly compete year in and year out for it. I think definitely has made things a lot more interesting. And, um, you know, it, it, some of the, some of the, I won't say chippiness, but some of the language going back and forth where you had, you know, PJ Fleck throwing in a boiler up before, uh, at the end <laughs> of their press conference. And, and then you have, you know, you have Chris Orr going out and giving his spiel at the end of the senior day last week in Madison, basically saying, yeah, we're going to bring it home. I mean, that's good. That's for a rivalry mm, game. That's what is. you love to see. You love to see that. So yeah, it's, it's great to see that uh, some life has been from breathe back into the back and forth of the rivalry. And, you know, like I said, I think uh, at this stage of the of the game, both programs are in pretty similar places, and uh, hopefully, it should be a good back and forth here for the next few years. Oh yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of Wisconsin fans kind of got a taste of the medicine that that we had been given. When now that that axe got taken away, you you want it more than you actually think because now that you don't have it, you're you're thinking, oh man, it was pretty nice to have for those you know ten plus years, and and to keep that in your home, it's. It's hard to do, and now that it's gone, you're like, okay, yeah, that that trophy is is pretty significant. I'd like it back uh, in Madison. So I, I totally agree, and I think it's a lot of fun uh, for both programs in this. But let's get into the game a little bit. I know the rivalry is huge, and the storylines for this game are are incredibly big. But X's and O's wise, Minnesota has has been tremendous, especially on the offensive side of the football. But really, what's kind of been, in, in your opinion, the biggest strength for this Gophers team in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest strength has been the the offense and the way that they've been able to spread it around. I mean, Minnesota has two 1,000-yard receivers in Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. LSU is the only other Power 5 team in the country that can say that, that they have two 1,000-yard receivers. Uh, Rodney Smith is over 1,000 yards rushing. So Minnesota can, can beat you both on the ground and through the air. Um, you know, Tanner Morgan has developed into a top, tier big 10 quarterback if not you know he still is top 10 nationally in efficiency um you know i don't think if you had asked any gopher fan at the start of the year would tanner morgan be one of the most 10 efficient quarterbacks in the country we would have laughed you out of the place but he's really stepped up his game and done everything that he possibly can to help this team put us in the position that we are so i think that is the biggest strength is you know if there's a game where 
we're just not having a good air game, we can try and turn to the ground game and try and, and, and do it that way. If there's a game where for whatever reason, you know, we're getting shut down on the ground, um, you know, Penn state sort of comes to mind. We, we didn't get uh, a lot of rushing yards against Penn state, but we beat Penn state through the air. Um, so I think, you know, having that, having that dual threat, uh, definitely has been a huge step for, for Minnesota this year. Um, to be able to, you know, take it to take it to any defense that we face, um, you know, on, on the defensive side, um, you know, I think the secondary and the play of Antoine Winfield Jr. has been a huge, huge boon for the Gophers, finally having him healthy for an entire year. Um, you know, seven Big Ten or seven interceptions on the year leads the Big Ten. Um, he leads the team in tackles. He's just been everywhere on the field in the secondary for the Gophers, uh, helping up in run support as well. So I think, you know, the, the, the play of him and the, on the back end of the Gophers and, and their offense has really been, you know, the two, I won't say surprises, but the, the high points definitely, uh, this season. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, I, I know, you know, when I was kind of doing some preview for Minnesota, I was looking at those receivers and I, it really looks like they're going to be a, a tough test for Wisconsin, just given the success that they've had all season. And, you know, they've, I don't know if Wisconsin secondary has faced, uh, you know, a, a duo like that. They maybe faced one receiver, but when you have two of them that talented, I think that really speaks to it. And, you know, having balance on offense is, is something that's pretty important, you know, given Wisconsin sometimes having some struggles getting to that point and, and, and throwing the ball. So I, I think it'll be a really good test for this Wisconsin defense uh, on the season. Um, on the flip side, is, is there anything that uh, maybe concerns you with Minnesota or what is kind of, uh, where do you feel that the the Badgers kind of make you nervous? Is there anything that you can pinpoint where Wisconsin might have an advantage in this game? Well, I think the one thing that always makes anybody nervous when they face Wisconsin is how you're going to deal with Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, Minnesota has been semi-inconsistent this year against the ground game. They've, they've faced some decent running backs and have done pretty good at, at limiting them, but they've had some run fit issues. Um, you know, you saw Journey Brown for Penn State break a couple of big runs. Um, and, and earlier in the year, um, there were, they, we made a lot of adjustments since then, but there were some, some run fit issues where we weren't doing very good on the coverage. Uh, that can't happen Saturday. If, if we let Jonathan Taylor run wild, that's, that's going to be the death knell of the Gophers season right there. Um, so making sure that, you know, they're, they're tackling well, they're, they're in their zones, they're in their spots, they're, you know, limiting Taylor to three yards a carry instead of 13 yards a carry will be huge. Um, the other thing that Minnesota has struggled with, especially uh, in the last few weeks of the season, has been their special teams. Um, you know, we've had uh, not a great time kicking it, um, both extra points and field goals. Um, we missed our starting kicker for a couple of weeks in, um, uh, sorry, blanking on his name. That's all right. <laughs> completely, <laughs> completely freaking Either way, uh, our, our starting kicker was out for a couple of weeks with a, with an injury. He's back. He made, uh, all five extra points and, uh, a field goal last week. So that's a little bit sure. better, but we've had some issues kicking the ball out of bounds with kickoffs, not doing great coverage. Um, Jacob Herbers, our punter is, has written receded a little bit you know he was he was one of the better punters in in 2018 and 2019 his average is down about four or five yards per punt um and they haven't had as good a coverage issues um and then and then returns uh demetrius douglas is our main punt and kick returner uh he muffed two punts last week and northwestern almost got a long 
kickoff that sort of bounced at the 30 yard line and nobody fell on it till Minnesota finally knocked it out of bounds. Um, so there's been some issues special teams wise. So, you know, with Wisconsin's kicking game, um, obviously your kicker nailing a, a 62 yarder last week. I think they definitely have a little bit of advantage there. Um, but you know, Demetrius Douglas, if you remember, returned a punt against the Badgers last year in Madison, which basically was the, you know, the sort of the big, uh, a big score to bust open that game uh, right before mm. the end of, end yep. of the first half last year. So the potential is there if he just needs to he just needs to be able to break one if he can. But um, overall, so far, yeah, the special teams have definitely been the the biggest point of concern for Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally hear what you're saying. Wisconsin's kind of had some of those same struggles. Uh, Zach Hintz made that 62 yarder, but he hasn't been kicking. Uh, you know, most of the field goals. It's been another kid, uh, and and he's kind of been inconsistent. And then. That you know, you touched on your guys' return game. Wisconsin has had the same issues. We haven't had really any return game in in both punting and kick returns in the last couple seasons. So that's something that I think you were speaking our exact language uh, in that one. One <laughs> um, one thing to note with that, obviously the the especially in the return is is the weather for this game looking like it might be a little bleak. Uh, you're you're more you know, in tune with, with what's the weather's going to be like in that thing. Do you think that will play a significant role given the possible wind and rain and, and maybe some snow up there? Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, I think it's anyone's guess to be, be honest. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's windier, I think that definitely will potentially have a little bit more of an effect on the Minnesota passing game. Um, but if it's just, you know, cold and rainy, which it, on the latest forecast, at least coming in, looks like it's trending more towards rain on, on game day on Saturday rather than snow. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, there, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you could say there's some advantages for the Minnesota passing game at that, you know, the receivers know where they're going, so they don't necessarily have to worry about their footwork as much, whereas, you know, you have to worry about the, the secondary trying to keep up with them and not slip, and, and one slip being the difference between, you know, a 15-yard a gain and a 70-yard and a touchdown. Um, vice versa, you know, uh, it would seem that if the passing game can't work as well, Wisconsin definitely has an edge in the running game. Um, but it also seems that Jonathan Taylor has had a little bit of a trouble with fumbles, at least the last few weeks. Um, you know, so that might be an advantage for the Gophers if they can really work on making sure to, to try and attack the ball anytime they get a chance, uh, while making tackles. So honestly, um, you know, I could see it both helping and hurting both teams, depending upon exactly how it comes out, but, uh, it sure sounds like it's, it's not going to be a very nice day. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be something that I think, like you said, is is going to be a storyline to pay attention to, as especially as it gets closer to kickoff. Just, just given all the issues that weather can create in, in games like that, and Wisconsin has certainly been susceptible some for to some missed tackles and chunk plays and that. So it'll be interesting to to pay attention to, and certainly a storyline that I think, as this game with so many other storylines being focused on, that's something that not a lot of people are talking about, but I think the weather is going to be impactful on both sides. I know you've got to get to uh, your podcast here in a, in a few minutes, so I'll, I'll wrap it up with you and, and get hit you with our final question, which we do for every guest, and it's uh, Minnesota wins this game if blank, and I'll have you fill in the blank for us. I think Minnesota wins this game if they can uh... – slow down the Wisconsin rushing attack. If they can keep Jonathan Taylor to, let's just say under 150 yards. Um, if they can make strides in the passing game. Um, 
and they don't have any stupid turnovers. I honestly think the turnover battle will probably be the biggest determiner in this factor. Uh, Minnesota's been fairly good this year about not turning the ball over, but if the weather becomes a factor, I think that tips anything on its end. So if, if Minnesota can protect the ball um, and be able to to keep Taylor relatively in check, make Jack Cohn try and beat Minnesota, uh, I, I like uh, the Gophers' chances on Saturday. Well, there you have it, folks, and that's important to note because the Badgers have, you know, last week had their season high in turnovers uh, against Purdue, so that's that's important to pay attention to. Obviously, turnovers are huge in any game, but uh, given given the situation, you know, they had last week, it'll be it'll be interesting to look at and and pay attention to in this, of course, hugely contested battle for the Big Ten West and Paul Bunyan's axe. Andy, thanks again for joining the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. We hope you guys uh, enjoy hosting College Game Day and, of course, in, you know, hosting a, a huge division battle on Saturday. Yeah, no, we're looking forward. It's, uh, the atmosphere is going to be insane in Minneapolis on Saturday, and we'll, you know, like, see, we'll see what the weather does one way or the other, but I guarantee you uh, Minnesota fans are as excited for this game as, as they have been for a very long time. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, hope the, uh, we'll hope the Maroon Gold comes out on top, but... Uh, like I said, I, I think it's going to be a barn burner. It'll probably come down to the last drive either way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys, you know, I, I'm sure they will enjoy it and you guys deserve it. It's It's been a, it's been a long time coming. I think this is good for, for both sides in the rivalry and it'll be incredibly fun to watch and, and battle out for a trip to Indianapolis to take on those uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. Andy, thanks again for joining the show. Um, we're going to let you go here. Badger fans, make sure to pay attention uh, for our next episode, which will be out again on Tuesday, back to our regular scheduled programming. Obviously, with Thanksgiving, we condensed down and, and moved it up to Wednesday uh, for this week and have a little bit longer episode given the basketball stuff. But make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you guys on Tuesday on Wisconsin.